I think every experience in life you need to learn from and grow from, and, and that's work experiences, that's life experiences, that's, that's everything. This is the Betting Startups Podcast, and I'm your host, Jesse Learmonth. In episode 19, I introduce you to Eric Frank, co-founder and CEO of Odds On Compliance, which helps gaming companies navigate the rapidly changing regulatory compliance landscape. Prior to that, Eric was the VP of Legal Affairs and Group Compliance Officer for PokerStars, where he was responsible for over 25 of the group's gaming licenses across the world. In this episode, Eric talks about how his experience gave him the idea for Odds On Compliance, how they're innovating in the compliance space, and his journey going from corporate executive to startup founder. I enjoyed this conversation with Eric and hope you do too. If you have a suggestion for a future guest, let us know by DM on our Twitter at Betting Startups. Now on to the show. All right, we are here with episode 19 of the Betting Startups podcast. And for this one, we're joined by Eric from Odds on Compliance. Eric, we're recording this on the last day of March, which means somehow it's already the end of the first quarter of 2022. And from the outside looking in, it certainly seems like it's been a particularly busy quarter for you and the Odds On team. So really looking forward to diving in and learning more about the world of compliance. But first, just wanted to welcome you to the podcast. And how are you doing today? Doing well, Jess. Appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity. Excited to, to, to speak with you. Thanks for reminding me that Q1 is now uh, and, and yeah, pretty much already celebrating 2023, I guess, at this point. It's crazy. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Right on. Well, maybe just to kick off, Eric, and just to introduce you to our listeners, can you give us a little bit of sense of your background and maybe some of the major chapters of your career up until the founding of Odds On? Yeah, sure. Uh, so professional career, I spent uh, uh, 10 years practicing law at an Amwell 100 firm, uh, exclusively the gaming industry. Uh, regulatory matters uh, started in, in, in land-based casinos, uh, helping uh, close casinos during, uh, during the recession, open new casinos thereafter. Um, fast forward to, to kind of the, the beginning of online in the, in the U.S. and New Jersey, uh, in 2012, 2013, that's kind of where I turned my attention and my focus. Um, from there, went in-house to Poker Stars, which is one of the larger, largest online poker companies uh, globally, uh, focused primarily on, on on U.S. batters, and then and then grew into a role as their global compliance officer, managed kind of twenty-five licenses around the globe, regulatory affairs globally. Um, really, really interesting, unique uh, learning experience for me, and and uh, that led me to. Um, Really focusing back on on, on the U.S. for forming odds on compliance um, and building a technology and consulting practice here. Awesome, and I'm going to ask you more about uh, your time at uh, the Stars Group and Poker Stars in a few moments here. But before we do that, Eric, and you know, just for the benefit of listeners, many of which I would say are probably neophytes when it comes to just sort of the compliance function, I'm wondering if we can just sort of start there at the beginning, and to, if you can just sort of give us a high level view of the compliance function in general. And again, with the assumption that maybe not everybody's as intimately yeah. familiar with it in the landscape. You know, what does compliance mean? Um, what types of companies need to worry about it? And you know, maybe is there any sort of examples of strong industry compliance programs you can point to as really, you know, uh, sort of prolific case studies and how to do compliance, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, appreciate that. Uh, I'm kind of one of those folks that enjoys talking about compliance, I guess. But yeah, so um, I, I mean, you look at the landscape of the U.S. industry and hear every couple of weeks about a new state authorizing uh, sports betting 
um, it, you know, iGaming is in a few states as well. Um, you know, that's, that's legislators or, uh, you know, state governments saying, Hey, we want to regulate this business. Um, we, we want it to be legalized and kind of offer in accordance with, with, you know, a regulatory framework that makes sense. Um, but it doesn't, doesn't stop when a legislature and uh, passes a bill and then the governor, governor signs into law. What happens there is then there's a regulatory body, a gaming authority or, or a state lottery that's now responsible for overseeing the implementation of sports betting or, or iGaming in that state. And so, you know, they have to build out a framework around how they're going to identify companies to operate. And then once they're operating, what, you know, what boundaries are we going to set? Um, you know, to allow them to operate all in the mindset of how do we protect our consumers and offer a, a fair environment, safe environment for people to, to place wagers. So where, where we live in that space, I was like, finance is helping companies understand those frameworks on a state-by-state basis. And, and as you can imagine, every state doesn't start from scratch when they build out their set of regulations. Uh, they look at their neighbors, uh, neighboring states. They look at best practices around the globe, uh, quite frankly, and, and identify the, you know, the best framework that fits their, uh, their state and, and, and leverage it, you know, uh, other states around. So, um, so there are similarities across states, but there's also unique differences, um, in, in understanding the similarities and differences is, is, is critical to operating and, and meeting those regulatory obligations. And, and that's where, you know, what we do and what we'd help with, um, both the, the experts on my team, all, you know, former regulators, former, uh, compliance professionals and operators, uh, former third-party testing lab professionals as well, kind of, um, we help the companies to uh, go through and understand the, those requirements. And we're also building technology, uh, to help folks understand those unique differences and, and stay up to date on, on regulations as they change uh, and, uh, across states as well. So that's that's kind of I guess compliance at a, at a high level. Um, and I think how companies approach it uh, typically depends on the size of the company. I mean, there's certainly you know larger companies have uh, a lot of resources. Your FanDuel's, DraftKings, BetMGM's. Yeah, they have a lot of, they have resources and, they, and they're able to put a, um, a big group, um, behind compliance. And I think they, they all do a very good job at that. And they also spread out and they narrow across a lot of states. There's players in the space, um, you know, who are focused on one or two states, uh, or let, you know, don't have the, 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 the breadth of resources, but, uh, are finding unique ways of using technology. And finding partners like us to help, uh, to help, you know, meet their ratings or obligations. Nice. No, appreciate that overview. And again, just giving some context to that compliance function and sort of where it sits within sort of the wider betting ecosystem. And certainly from the perspective of this humble little podcast, you know, a lot of my guests are building a lot of customer facing products and fan engagement tools and stuff like that. And we often don't take a lot of time to think about some of the core, you know, foundational pillars behind these things, such as a compliance function. So it's helpful to, you know, I think bring some understanding to just what does that function mean? And, you know, some of the examples you just pointed to, I think help bring a little bit of substance to the compliance function again, for, for folks listening that might not have that familiarity. So I uh, appreciate that overview, Eric. And, you know, 
before we dive into odds on, I, I mentioned I wanted to come back to your time at PokerStars just for a moment here. And I just want to ask a little bit about your experience. You actually mentioned that you started with your focus on the U.S. market, but actually then expanded your remit to a more global portfolio. And, you know, certainly lately, from my perspective, I've been hearing a lot of folks that have a global experience, obviously, then focusing on the U.S. And you've kind of gone the other way with it. So I'm just sort of curious if you can tell us a little bit about just what life was like leading compliance for an operator of PokerStars uh, scale and maybe some of the highlights from your time there. Yeah, no, it's all, and I think working at a company the size of PokerStars, you work with some of the best in the industry. And certainly it was a place where I learned a lot from, from folks who have been in the online betting space for now 20 plus years. You know, when PokerStars started in 2001, I like think it was. So the, the, leveraging some of that international experience and understanding of international markets was, was crucial. And it was, it was crucial in how I approached the U.S. market. I mean, they had experience in how the U.S. regulators and U.S. markets approach things and then tying that together with how operators brought uh, approach things and, and being able to kind of help uh, an operator understand the U.S. market and helping the learn and apply some of the U.S. market experiences abroad was, was absolutely critical and, and, and working, I mean, working for people all over the globe. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the hours were, you know, fun to try and scoop, figure out, taking falls with Australia at, you know, at 10 o'clock at night in the UK at, at six in the morning. But, uh, you know, luckily that, that wasn't every day, but the, the, the great thing is like that always brought unique and diverse opinions, which I think is, is absolutely critical in, in, in any business. When I guess the chapter of PokerStars ended, that segued right into odds on compliance. And I'm just sort of curious before we get into odds on, Eric, you know, I, I have to reasonably assume some of the inspiration for odds on maybe was born out of some of your experiences. I'm just sort of curious to, to dive into that a little bit. What were some of the things that you experienced in that role that sort of maybe led you to think that things could be improved, which again, I have to assume probably was some of the inspiration for the, the start of odds on. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't think every experience in life you need to uh, learn from and grow from and, and uh, that's, that's work experiences, that's life experiences, that's, that's everything. So. Absolutely. I took a, a, a lot of, uh, my learnings, um, applied them, you know, to, to what I thought could be, uh, built, um, not like a pine science, not just poker stars, but it's also, you know, my time with the law firm and, and my time elsewhere as well. Um, so I think, I mean, for me, the key for on-time compliance was there is a rapid growth in the U.S. And a lot of people really interested in this market. It's, it's a, uh, an incredibly unique time right now. And there's such a need for folks with compliance expertise, uh, regulatory expertise, helping all these companies come together. And, and you know, that's kind of where I'm solving opportunity is, is taking the experiences I have, the relationships I have, the relationships my team has, um, the experience my team has and, and leveraging that, um, yeah, for the for the greater industry, and, and you know, I think some of the technology we're building certainly, uh, you know, the ideas are, are around building technology. I've had that for forever, and, and now it's finally the opportunity for me to you know, own it, right, and, and be a be the decision maker. And what I think is uh, the best way to approach compliance, and, and I think 
Um, yeah, my view is it's not just the best way to approach compliance is, is have the right people, not more people. And, and so, you know, the way to do that is leverage technology to, to, to manage processes that don't need to be managed manually. And, you know, that's, that's always difficult when you're in the moment in a company, but when I'm looking at it from the outside, it can help, you know, help folks realize that and build the tools that I know need. Excellent. Well, let's start to take a bit of a deep dive then into odds on compliance. And you've touched upon a lot of the things that odds on is focused on right now. But again, just maybe to kick off, Eric, at a high level, what does odds on compliance do? And, you know, what customer problem is it solving, particularly with the technology piece that you've alluded to? Yeah, no, on the technology piece, we started with, with, with the issue that I know everyone in this industry faces. And that's, and it kind of alluded to before, but there's regulatory bodies in the U.S. across every jurisdiction. It, it doesn't stop in the U.S. Seeing it, Canada, seeing the U.K. and across Europe, there it is. Uh, you know, a different regulatory body that's responsible for 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 managing that market. So in the U.S., you had now say twenty five plus legalized markets. It's twenty five different sets of regulations, twenty five sets of compliance responsibilities that people have to stay up to date. Um, and and the way that's been done in the past is. You, you look at the Colorado Division of Game Enforcement, Gaming's website, you look at the New Jersey Division Enforcement's website, you look at the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board's site, and you're, you're, you're constantly navigating all these different places. And so what we decided to do is instead of having to navigate 30 different places or you know, 40 or 50 places, why not bring it all into one place and, and build a centralized fall both people um, can view that information across jurisdictions. Uh, we've, we'll build it uh, and, and, you know, so save them time. We keep all that information up to date. We provide them some unique tools to kind of annotate, collaborate, look at, you know, uh, define terms in interesting ways. Uh, we're building artificial intelligence to allow kind of a Google-like search that's you know, built off the back of experts in the space to look at questions that you're getting across 20 markets, instead of having to research it across 20 markets, will give you, you know, those answers across 20 markets within seconds rather than taking weeks or hours, um, hours, weeks, or months to, you know, to research. Yeah. And I mean, it's a real pain point. I've had some experience with an operator internationally and certainly can relate to this idea of having to sort of manually review regulations from time to time, keep up to date on bulletins. If you miss them, you know, good luck. And then of course, sort of the internal operational aspects of passing around Word documents and Excel files and all of that. So I can sort of see from a, a pain perspective, the solution that you're bringing to the market here. And what are some of the things you've heard from your clients so far insofar as that solution and how that's helped them really automate and streamline some of their processes behind the scenes? Yeah. So feedback has been phenomenal. I think the, the only negative feedback I've gotten is that why the heck didn't we do this <laughs> two years ago? Right. Uh, so, so certainly, you know, feedback is positive. You know, we're always, we're, there are always, you know, minor unique uh, improvements that we can make and we're continuing to, to build those out. Uh, I mean, we haven't launched in the markets uh, or technology product yet. We, we haven't started a beta test for, for our points. And, and yeah, so the feedback we got from them is, is certainly, you know, it, 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 it helps them kind of, uh, you know, stay up to date or, or Quite frankly, like you said, not the goal is to not to keep stuff in Excel spreadsheets and, and Word documents that are 
stale the second you know, you're done. We've given you the tools where the ability to annotate documents, you provide notes, and, and those stay living and breathing as, 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 as information gets up there. Awesome. And yeah, certainly sounds like there's a lot of validation coming from the market insofar as that solution, but also there's some validation you've received from investors. And a couple of months ago, you announced that Odds On closed a strategic funding round, which is always an exciting milestone. So congratulations on that. Um, you added some very prolific industry investors to your team. And I'm wondering if you can just, first of all, tell listeners a little bit about who they are and maybe share a little bit about just what the overall fundraising experience was like for you before you brought them into your business as your, your partners. Sure. So, so that round, like I said, was, was strategic. I wanted to get you know, the right investors that I knew could help you know, grow the business in various aspects in, in you know, marketing. And, you know, some of the folks who brought on are just talking to, they talk to everybody in this industry on a daily basis and, and now having them talk about odds oh, on beyond just being impressed uh, with what we're doing. But, you know, now as, as, as a cheerleader, First and foremost, it's fantastic. And, and, and the, on the technology side, yeah, having some of the investors we have, only who are, you know, top you know, on the technology side, it, it is very helpful as well. We, we announced that the kind of two lead uh, investors is what we made public, and, and that was uh, 76 Capital, led by Wayne Kimball, Chad Stender, you know, just really they're at the pulse of the U.S. sports betting industry. And, and, are investing in unique companies that are building interesting technology. And we thought that was a great fit for us. They've been a tremendous addition to you know, company uh, advisors to us as well. Um, and it's been great. And, and the other lead investor we announced was, was TechWorld Capital, which is owned by Matt Davey, run by Robin Chavro. And, and uh, you know, TechWorld is what Matt has done in this industry. Uh, I mean, he's just a, a giant in space, and you know, his his guidance, his his knowledge, and his connections in this year are, are quite unrivaled. So, so I'm really excited that that they're uh, supportive, of, not only supportive of what was built, but or are building, but we're willing to put their money where where their mouth is. Awesome. And, you know, with these amazing new partners on the team and with the funding and, and sort of the resources, I guess, that come with that, looking ahead to the 2022 roadmap or what's left of 2022, uh, what are the major milestones that you're focused on and what does a successful 2022 look like for Odds On? We're, we're very close to launching uh, our product. Actually, it'll be next week. Uh, then we uh, announce uh, product being available to folks beyond our client uh, base. On the, yeah, on the technology side. So we're, we're excited about that. And then we want to continue to improve that product, um, build on that. And we'll then, uh, we'll, uh, deliver the AI functionality of, of the tool thereafter. Uh, we have some other functionality that will fit into to the product, uh, allowing people to assess their own documents, their internal documentation as well within our tool on a state by state basis or, or across. We'll, it's certainly functional. We'll add. This year, but we're not. Playbook is our is our is our first product, uh, but it's not our going to be our only. We are building some other technology around licensing that is going to be interesting. Really help streamline things for the for the industry from the consulting side of the business. Uh, we want to continue just providing a good service to our clients, providing a value add to them as they expand their businesses. 
um, it's operators, suppliers, everyone in the you know, folks in the industry. Mm-hmm. We want to continue building uh, and helping them out. So we talked about your time at the Stars Group, your transition from there to odds-on compliance and founding it. So within that, obviously, there's a big, a big transition going from a corporate executive to a startup founder. And I'm just sort of wanting to dig into that a little bit, Eric, just sort of, sort of on the founder journey. And what has been your biggest surprises shifting from corporate executive life into founder life and that very jarring transition ostensibly? Has anything surprised you so far uh, with that transition? I'd say the thing that uh, the biggest surprise to me is is... The, the team I've built and you know, started, it was me, then I added one individual and it was two of us. And then uh, now we've grown to 15 full-time employees and a bunch of uh, about seven part-time folks. And, you know, these are, these are professionals in their own right. We can, we can get jobs anywhere and, and for them to you know, put their faith in me and what, and the vision I have and what we're building is, is and it has been, I want to say, like surprising, but the most you know amazing feeling, and and you know it could it creates just a sense of family for me. You know when when these people come in, it's not just them; it's their, you know, their families, their livelihoods that they're you know investing in, in odds on, and and like the 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 feeling that gives me that that's been kind of the most sort of like emotional or or, or or part of this whole journey. So. Well, like we talked about the validation from the market and customers, validation from investors, but as you rightly point out, being able to build a team of the caliber that you have, I mean, that's validation in, in itself as well, right? So all really good stuff. My standard closing question, Eric, a bit of a wild card one. If you weren't working in the betting industry or you weren't in law or compliance in a parallel universe, what would you be doing instead? Uh, my wife and I would be rehabbing old homes and electronic foot houses. Like we, we love... We love those TV shows. We love yeah. property. We love uh, uh, we love decorating and designing. Um, and I love a lot of the building, um, trying to building things from scratch. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the time for that was is very limited right now. But certainly, I think that that's kind of uh, where where we be our our right now. Well, you're still building now, just in a slightly different context, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> If folks listening want to get in touch with you, learn more about odds on compliance or understand your products a little bit better, where would you point them towards to get in touch or learn more? Sure. Oddsoncompliance.com or you know, follow me on or, or message me on, on LinkedIn. Email me, efrank at oddsoncompliance.com. Awesome. Eric, it's been great to chat with you today. Learn more about the compliance function and hear more about what you're up to with odds on compliance. Sounds like there's very exciting days ahead here. So really wishing you and the team all the best for the year ahead. Appreciate it, Jesse. Thank you very much for having me back.